0: Hello, I'm Alan Lipsey, CFA, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I'm talking about how we can drive change in financial and investment literacy for schoolgirls in order to help close the gender and wealth gaps. To discuss all this with me, My guest today is Mara Cunningham, CEO and founder of Rock the Street, Wall Street, a program designed to encourage girls to view math-focused fields of study as compatible with a career that has a positive impact on the world. I just thought I'd give you one interesting fact here before we go to Mara, is because there are some alarming statistics out there, and one of them stood out to me, and it's that uh, two-thirds of women state Uh, that they know little to nothing about finance or financial products and a high proportion of girls lose interest in math at primary school age. With that in mind and the need to make changes, let's talk to our guest. Hi, Maura. Uh, it's great to meet you. My first question really is uh, not only how this organization got started, and I'd be very interested to hear about your background, but tell us a little bit about why uh, you've come to the UK and what you plan to do here.
1: Thank you, Alan. I, I appreciate being here very much, and uh, thrilled uh, to, to chat with the CFA members over in the UK, um, as we have with the many CFA members and uh, societies here in the United States and elsewhere. After 25 years of working on Wall Street, I took the opportunity to introduce high school girls into the M of STEM, math, so that they can envision themselves in these roles in finance as they are selecting these universities and careers. I'm a first-generation American um, and first-generation college-bound, and uh, my parents came from Ireland. I happened to be really interested in news at the time when I was a teenage kid. I was a news hound and um, I couldn't help but get a perspective of how, you know, uh, if if you wanted to change things throughout the world, you had to follow the money like it or not you did. And so I was interested in learning more about the world of finance as a result, given that I grew up in the Bronx and uh, the allure, you know, that uh, Wall Street had um, and I was somewhat mathematically inclined. Um, I thought, well, here's the best of both worlds. I can uh, use my math and I can go into this profession where I can potentially affect change by getting a seat at the table and by getting, um, you know, money matters, right? Um, And then my mathematical skills where, you know, what gets measured gets done. And so um, I decided to, after 25 years of being in the profession, I took a pause that refreshes and decided it was my turn to give back. And so at that point, I went back to school and got my master's degree in civic leadership with my thesis on girls and math and how we lose them at age nine in the United States and also in Western Europe and in Canada and how we don't have that problem in China, Russia, India, nor Eastern European countries, interestingly enough. And so it's clearly a cultural issue and not a capability issue. Um, and I'm happy to go through the life cycle of a girl of uh, in math, but I won't go there today, but uh, I have other uh, references to it on our website, but it's very cultural. So what we wanna do is get the girls back into math by explaining to them specifically how financial math is really nothing more than sixth grade math um certainly we have our algos and quants in the industry but they're probably 1 to 2% of the population in the industry and so when they hear that they're absolutely stunned and so it brings them in so i decided to launch it and we launched in one school in Nashville Tennessee which is where i live today uh fast forward to today we are in 62 high schools across 34 cities in the US the UK and Canada
0: can i ask was there one event or a series of events that inspired you to to change things was it wasn't just study something moved you to take such a, a specific uh, masters degree and or focus on that thesis was there something that caught your eye or someone you met
1: it was basically just my life in finance i was typically the only producing female in my office To be frank, it was a little lonesome. And I thought there's got to be more to this than just, um, you know, the fact that I knew math. And quite frankly, one of the things we're doing is we're lifting the veil with the girls that financial math, quite frankly, is nothing more than sixth grade math, as we call it over here. If they can handle sixth grade math, they can handle their finances, number one, and number two they can have a brilliant career in finance. We certainly have our algos and quants, but that may represent 1% to 2% of the population in the industry, as you probably know, Alan. And so, you know, I should back up a little bit and mention, you know, rock the street, Wall Street, what our mission is. We are a financial and investment literacy program designed to spark the interest of a diverse population into careers of finance and to create gender and racial equity in the capital markets.
0: How? do you inspire the, the girls to view math and finance differently? It, it can't just be about, hey, if you learn how to add up, uh, you can get onto Wall Street or wherever uh, in Chicago and really make a lot of money. I, I'd like to think it was something more that, that you have to do to or do to inspire them to view math and finance a little bit, a bit differently.
1: See, it's interesting. So, so you you put it in terms of as of making a lot of money. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's part of the issue of how the industry recruits to women. The reality is, I went in because, as I mentioned, I was a news hound, um, and I loved how money could affect change. And so, what, how we're inspiring our girls is to help them understand that if they want to affect change, they have to have a seat at the table. And if they have a seat at the table, they have to understand the numbers. And oh, by the way, those numbers are not that terrifying. As I said, it's nothing more than sixth grade math and you can do this. And so we are getting them to understand that there's not as much trepidation to a career in finance as you might suspect or as Hollywood depicts us and so we're inspiring them to understand that they can be the change but in order to be the change if they want to seat at the table they have to know the numbers numbers speak volumes and so you know if 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 it gets measured it gets done i'm sure you've heard that expression and so we measure everything we're metric people and you'll see on our website we're very metric oriented we talk about our results and so forth in terms of numbers and so that's how you can affect change
0: what do you see as the typical barriers to to girls um or should we call them young women engaging with careers in financial services? What, what's 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 the apart from sexism perhaps or this fear of not feeling good enough, maybe sometimes? Um what what is it that is is, is stopping them from going for these careers?
1: Well, it it has to do with all STEM careers, right? So it's really two very, very simple reasons. The number one reason is we don't see women in those professions. Number two, the second reason is they don't see their friend cohorts or their girlfriends choosing those majors. And so we are combating that in every single classroom that we're in and every high school that we're in, because we're bringing in women who are facile in math and not afraid of it. And then secondly, those groups that are in our cohort, those students that are in our cohort, are choosing to major in finance and economics or related business computational fields. So a lot of it, I mean, I was the only in my, here's a perfect example. I, when I went to my math class, we won't say how many years ago, I was the only woman among 34 men in college, and then fast forward to my chief operating officer, who is a a generation younger than me, who went to a much larger college, actually the University of Georgia, with 40,000 students, she was the only woman in her math class among 40 men. And so clearly, this is the silent killer as to why there aren't more women in STEM. And so you have to show them that we exist, because we're not in popular culture, they don't see us at all. And so we are bringing into every classroom, as I said, that we we go into those women. So we're not only having an impact on our students alone, there's a ripple effect in that school because they suddenly see five to 10 women marching in who are the M and STEM and they're asking, who are these women who are coming in? And so we're becoming more visible at the high school level, which is a critical stage for these girls because they're they're deciding what they want to do and who they want to be and whether or not they want to go to college and what if they go to college, what do they want to study. And so it's it's a highly impactful age to hit them up for um, for these types of uh, this type of thinking and these types of careers.
0: And is that what they come back with when you ask, why don't you want to study in the subject or go for those jobs? Do they, do they say, well, my friends aren't doing it? Or do they just think, oh, it's boring? Because sometimes it is boring.
1: <laughs> I think well, job can be boring, right? Sure.
0: There's
1: not alone there. Um, well, here's their impression. You know, funnily enough, I've asked this question of our students. I said, what's your impression of somebody in finance? And they'll say, it's a white male in a cubicle, and it gets worse, yelling. Not that it's too far off from what can happen, but that's their impression. And they're like, who wants that? You know, I don't want to be in a cubicle and I don't want to be next to a guy who's always yelling. And Hollywood has done us no favors by depicting us like that as well. And so they don't make the connectivity to how we can change things. And so we are changing culture and we're changing the industry. The way that we're changing culture is that we're letting them know, hey, if you pick a career in finance, you can change the face of a city by helping them to reduce their interest debt. You can create more hospitals, more roads, more highways, more benefits to society if you get into society and get into municipal finance or federal finance, corporate finance, whatever it might be. And they don't get that connection. Here's a perfect example, Alan. I was at a dinner at uh, MTSU, which is Middle Tennessee State University. Next to me on my left was a gentleman who was the head of Eastern Religions, a Buddhist. Uh, from Nepal. And he was the head of the religious department at uh, Eastern Religions at the school. We started talking, of course, about what we each did. And so he said, I want to share a story with you. And I said, great. So he said, my daughter goes to the University of Chicago studying finance. And all they can tell her is how much money she's going to make. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's all they kept telling her. She's a Buddhist. If they had said to her, you can change the face of a city in the ways I just mentioned earlier, by in- reducing their interest debt, by um, creating more hospitals, creating more schools, having more funding for food uh, in the food deserts areas and so forth. That might've been a little more interesting to her. Needless to say, she opted not to up to Wall Street and instead remained in academia. But I have heard probably a dozen stories like that where it's about the money. And again, not that there's anything wrong with it. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't have the access to a lucrative career. But there has to be more to it for a woman. I do think that we're hardwired to care about other people. I think a little differently, certainly, than the men, if I'm frank. And so you have to appeal to them on that level and not just the money. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I no, <laughs> no, no, no.
0: I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I get you. What groups would you say are mostly affected by this financial literacy gap? I mean, obviously we're talking about women, but within that, where where are the areas that you've ha- had to focus in most? And, and what, can, what can you do to change anything?
1: So um, it affects all women. It crosses all socioeconomic strata. And I know that because a lot of my clients uh, were ultra wealthy clients. And no matter how hard I tried to get the women to come into the meetings, it was always the men. It was always the father and the sons that would come, not the women. And I would try gloriously to try to get the women to come and they wouldn't come. And then we'd say, well, we have professionals who handle that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you really want to know what the professionals are doing for you. And so I know that for a fact that it crosses all socioeconomic strata of women. Um, so... With us in our program, we have uh, focused in on the underserved population. So 49.96%, we don't wanna say 50% because we measure everything and people will think we are guessing or not. Uh, we, we take our numbers seriously, but 49.96% of our students are coming from low-income households and 73% are BIPOC, which is black indigenous people of color. And so clearly they need this for the budgeting and saving elements uh, of what we have to offer, as well as learning how to participate in, in investing and getting them to come into the capital markets as well. Where clearly, if you're a woman of color or person of color, you're not participating in the capital markets. So we want to make it less of a mystery and let them show and get them familiar with the lexicon and also get them familiar with the mathematics behind it.
0: And, and this is uh, the, the data there. It's all in the United States or is that your experience internationally?
1: That's in the United States. Uh, but as I said, Western Europe and Canada have the same problems. It's very similar ratio.
0: And let me ask, tell us a little bit about some of the surprising outcomes or some of these surprising impacts that you, you, you've had. But that were a surprise. Well, they were a surprise, obviously, but you weren't expecting them. Um, the, the, you just, you got a result that is slightly non-intuitive.
1: I think, you know, we have an exercise where the girls, uh, they, we turn the tables on the girls immediately where they become a financial advisor for Janella, and uh, that's their client. And so this is from day one, the day we meet them. And so we, um, and they keep meeting Janella at different stages of our lives, of, of our life. And I think what's, what's kind of been the most interesting is, um, more often than not, we don't tell them what her career is. And more often than not, can you guess the two careers that they suggest Janella is before we get under the hood of our program?
0: I don't want to say something and get myself into trouble, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you tell us. Okay.
1: Well, it's nurse and teacher. And it doesn't matter what kind of school we're going into. I mean, truly, it doesn't Almost matter. Every time. Public schools, what we call public schools here in the States, uh, private schools, very highly regarded private schools. We're agnostic as far as what kind of school we go into, by the way, because of the level at which it hits, which is all levels. And that really surprised me because these are really bright kids, you know, our girls self-select in and they're bright girls and you're like, wow, wow you know, that's all you think we could do, you know, tell me why that is, you know, and they're like, well, you know, we just that's all we see, you know, and it's, it's what they get depicted as. So that was very surprising. Um, secondly, I'm interested, it's curious how they allocate the money, because they have to choose between two to four stocks that Janelle should pick, and we give them an, a couple of options. And so the rationale behind that is always kind of interesting. It's always a little different. And sometimes they'll sit in cash, you know, <laughs> which I thought was kind of fun. Um, and that's been interesting. The third thing that's been interesting has been, um, the camaraderie that's happening among the volunteers themselves. So, um, you know, having worked on wall street and, um, uh, as you know, the culture there and, um, the men have, uh, the capability and, 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 and should, you know, I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but, uh, they typically will bond over, you know, a game of golf, or um, uh, belly up to the bar. Not that I, not that there's anything wrong with either one of those. I do both of those, by the way, and love to. Um, but the women don't do it as much, right? So this is an opportunity when they volunteer with us and these diversity equity inclusion groups and employee resource groups are looking for projects that are outward facing and positive facing. So for the first time we can catalyze these groups so that the women get to organically get to know each other in this interest of educating the next generation. And so we find that they're carpooling together, they're having drinks together, they're having lunch together for the first time. And the woman who would have been the familiar stranger generally, certainly when I was on Wall Street, you know, there'd be one woman in the elevator, you know, and she'd get off at the third floor and I'd get off at, you know, the 12th floor, but I never really knew who she was, right? Well, now we have that opportunity to bring them together. So that's really kind of cool to see that the women are bonding together. And then, of course, it adds more stickiness, as it were, to that firm, because they like the fact that, number one, the firm is actually doing something about the ratios. And then secondly, they have another friend now in the firm.
0: So building networks within organizations, that's key. Otherwise, people will they'll leave once they get they'll fight so hard to get in, but then they may leave. And I think I've heard that before um, with um, minorities as well. Uh, What, now tell us some of your success stories. You've told us the the challenges and what the objectives have been, but tell us something about your success stories.
1: So let me first quantify that for you, if I may, since we're going on metrics. Um, So we, as I said, measure everything we do. So we have a 71% three-year weighted average uh, of um, uh, investment literacy increase among our students. So really, that's quite substantial. We're very proud of that fact.
0: Sorry, how how do you measure that when you say financial literacy going up?
1: Good question. We pre-test the girls the day we meet them, and then we take a post-test the day we leave them. And that growth in uh, investment literacy is measured in that form. The second measurement that we have, because we have two missions one, of course, is financial and investment literacy, the other being career prep or a glide path into the careers of finance. We find, you know, we're in our 10th year, so we can track the girls now. Uh, 25% of our students are choosing to major in finance, economics, or related business computational field, whereas the national average, at least in the United States, and we're seeking the data uh, in the UK specifically and in Canada, but in the United States, it's only 2.7%. So we're 9x or nine times uh, the rate at which women generally come into the profession, or or I should say come into finance and economics classes, Um, and so we're pretty proud of that figure.
0: Is there one person that has been part of the program that has risen up to a, a you know senior level that you want to highlight? I don't know.
1: Sure, we have a young woman. Um, I was actually her mentor. And she was at a school in Nashville, Tennessee. And she said, "Based there's there's two I can speak of. One uh, that I'm thinking of, um, she is um, a a black student. And she came into our class and she was like, I had no idea that this existed. I had no idea what this was. You know, my friend told me about it, but I'm only here because she asked me. Uh, But lo and behold, fast forward, you know, she then majored in economics. And she's now at NASDAQ in Washington, D.C., Um, And so through connections, um, through networking, she learned how to network. She got that job at NASDAQ through Rock the Street, Wall Street connections. Uh, Another young lady, uh, she's first generation Chinese um, and she too, no concept of what uh, finance was. Um, Her parents were pushing uh, medicine on her. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but she really didn't want to do medicine. And she said, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to tell my parents, I don't want to do medicine. And she said, "But that this looks like a way I can work, you know, and 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 they can be proud of me." And um, lo and behold, fast forward to her, she's now uh, a research analyst, uh, actually with Amazon. And so, um, those are two success stories uh, that I personally know of. And then there's many, many, many other personal uh, stories that we can. It's uh, we have testimonials of our students who, again, never ever considered a, a career pathway in finance, and we were their way in. Um, there's one last story. We have something called student CEOs. This is a part of our program. And we're a year-long program, by the way, I should mention. Uh, We're not a one and done. Uh, We are an academic year-long program. And we come back to the school year after year after year. And we have four different sets of curriculum. Um, So I want to make sure that people know that we're a thorough and rigorous program. It's not, again, not a one and done. And we measure everything. So this other individual uh, we recently just heard from, the testimony that she provided us was, I was a student CEO with Rock the Street, Wall Street, and um, I must tell you how often on job interviews, people ask me about that. <laughs> she said, it never fails that an interviewer will say, well, what was a student CEO and w- what did you do? And how, you know, what did you think of it? And she said, every time I'm on a job interview, cause she's going through them now, Um, she said, I I, I can't tell you how often it comes up, you know? And so it's an amazing opportunity that we've given these girls who can think like for the first time I can be a CEO and they have to, they have to apply for the position. We actually interview them, uh, for each cohort, for each class. So we have 62 of them, if not more, we have two in each, each class. So over hundred now for this year's class. And we they have to um, apply, and then you know sometimes we have six girls applying from one school, and so we have to pick just the two. And so it's a competitive thing, and um, it's been working out really well to help catapult them a little higher uh, in both their college applications and in their job interviews.
0: Now, finally, tell us about your plans for the UK um, and what you're going to do here. Uh, and other than listening to this podcast, how can our CFA UK listeners get involved?
1: Well, uh, thank you for asking that question. Uh, So we are in London. Uh, We launched in London in the fall of last year and uh, Varde Partners uh, uh, sponsored our program there and we're at the Mulberry School for Girls in London. Um, And that program was such a success and the girls were so taken by it that they actually asked to go to the board of directors of the school so that they could describe what the program meant to them. And that was totally unsolicited. We were like, wow, this is amazing. Um, And so they did, in fact, do that to the board of the school and tell them how much the program had meant to them. So um, we just got word of a couple of weeks ago that BlackRock will be spe- uh, stepping up to be our second sponsor of our second cohort. And then just yesterday morning, uh, we had got word from Bloomberg that they, too, are going to sponsor our third cohort. So um, it looks like we're on a roll in London, which is great. Um, we have, for instance, 13 cohorts here in New York City, where I am today. Um, obviously, because it's my hometown, and I know this this area, um, but I must say I have many cousins over in the UK, as you might suspect, I've uh, been there many times. So it looks really uh, promising for us uh, there in the UK to continue to expand the program, not only to London, but also perhaps in Manchester. We have interest coming in from Edinburgh as well. As CFA members, uh, we are thankful for the support that they've given us over the years. We've worked with probably over a dozen of them, if not more here in the United States um, they've provided us with both funding and with uh, volunteers, um, particularly out on the West Coast. As you might imagine, there are smaller VC firms, PE firms, etc. that sponsor us. And guess what? They don't have a lot of women. Um, and so when they don't have enough women, we, we tap into that. We make an all call out to those CFA societies, and they've been very good to us in providing us with volunteers that will work alongside the PE and VC companies. But, so if we could do that, too, in the, in the UK, where we could, um, you know, if they could register their interest on our website um, under our under the Contact Us tab, um, they can go there and just indicate that they're interested in volunteering uh, for Rockford Street, Wall Street. As we continue to grow, um, we're going to need more of that, particularly as we go to some of the smaller firms, like right now, as I mentioned, Varde, and then we have BlackRock and um, um, Bloomberg. But so they'll, BlackRock and Bloomberg will probably have enough volunteers because there's thousands of employees. But VARDE, um, you know, smaller VCPE hedge funds would, would need more volunteers. And so we would really use their help there and get the word out about us. We have interest, by the way, also coming in from Singapore, uh, which looks like it might be the next city after London.
0: Great. Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks, uh, Mara, for chatting to me. And also thanks to all of you for listening uh, today. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast series through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Find out more at www.cfauk.org slash podcast. Thanks again, Maura.
1: Thank you, Alan.